Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Addiction, prevention, recovery. Welcome to the Recovery Rebirth Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Recovery Rebirth Podcast. I'm Dominic. And I'm Jillian. And we thank you for joining us for a few minutes of conversation about all topics related to addiction prevention recovery. Today's topic, Jillian, I'm thinking of throwing this out there, making it a little kind of a conversational topic. Okay. Um, Survival to stability to significance. Hmm. Survival to stability to significance. And what does that mean to people uh, in recovery? Well, Mm -hmm. so many people are in survival mode coming out of the gate in recovery. You know, you get Mm -hmm. get in. Nobody ever came into recovery on a winning streak. Everything was going wonderful in their (laughs) life, right? Right. So um, for those who are coming into recovery, most of us, um, we're in some sort of desperate survival mode trying to put out the fire on our bum, mm-hmm. so to speak. Right. Um, our bum was on fire, and uh, things were not going well, and everything, you know, is is caving in around us, and yeah. uh, we're in survival mode. Yep. So, have you have you been there in in your life? You know what survival oh, mode yes, is. Oh yes, I do. <laughs> yes, and it was definitely me, um, very much in early recovery. Um, and I've said many times, you know, when I when I began recovery, I was. Uh, we'll try to keep this PG. I, I was really ticked off in uh yeah, I was very heartbroken and angry when I started uh, recovery, but I was at a, an absolute rock bottom. Um, emotionally, I assume. Emotionally. Yeah. Because relationships not relationship, working out. Yeah. So I was just sick of you know the same outcomes. Um, and after it was like possibly the worst heartbreak of my life, then that's what landed me in recovery is I just didn't want to live that way anymore. The pain was great enough that I needed, I was desperate to try anything to not repeat that again. So yeah, survival mode was very much where I was at when I began recovery. And you, you know, just for those who are just tuning in for the first time, uh, Jillian, you have a background dealing with alcoholics on a regular basis and and people in addiction, right? I do. So you understand desperation from your own personal feeling of desperation, but also you've seen desperation from uh, alcoholic and addictive behavior. Yes. And, uh, you know, for me, um, I was emotionally bankrupt. I was uh, depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my career was not going well. Um, there were... There really was no goal planning in my life. There was no long-term plan. It was how can I, you know, get through today or this week or mm-hmm. whatever. And, um, you know, relationship problems. Uh, my my diet was not great. Uh, certainly wasn't into exercise or anything, health, wellness. Um, and what about money and finances, too? You know, that's affected as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah. you know, people coming into recovery are in survival mode. Yes. 
So um, I'll just ask you first, and then I'll, I'll share a little bit. But uh, how did you get out of survival mode and get to some sense of stability? Mm. <laughs> well, obviously, it was a process. Um, so for me, it was, um, you know, meeting, gathering with people, going through the same thing on a regular basis. Uh, there was a time that was happening multiple times a week. Um, but just to, just, just to know that I wasn't alone and that, and to hear other stories and the hope that, you know, life could be different, um, staying connected to people that were going through it too. Um, and also like ultimately to get to the point to get beyond survival to stability or a lot of people will say surviving to thriving, but I think that's more of the significance. So at least to stability, I had to learn things like boundaries. I had to learn to, um, you know, either cut people out of my life that weren't supporting this new way of life I was trying to have or mm -hmm. seriously limit their access to me or participation in my life. So, I mean, it, it requires some changes if I want a different life because, you know, we we know the definition of insanity, right? Um, yeah, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting it to change. Yeah, exactly. So I um, I had to change some of my behaviors, and it took probably it took probably I'd say a couple of years to be realistic. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat things because I you know from a lifetime of maladaptive coping mechanisms and being in survival mode to shifting to a more peaceful life. I mean, it probably took a couple of years of really um, earnest and kind of and being diligent about being committed to recovery and doing whatever it took to not, you know, not go back to rock bottom and being in that, being that angry, heartbroken person. That was not, there was no way to live. I mean, carried so much resentment with me early on. And, and now, you know, I'm about six and a half years into my recovery journey. Most days I have a lot more peaceful. That's kind of my baseline for the most part is peaceful. And there was, a time when I first started recovery, I wouldn't have believed you if you told me that was possible. Well, I know for myself, um, when I got into recovery and, and, and in, in the early stages, it was total survival mode uh, mm -hmm. by the hour yeah. and by the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can only do it one day at a time, as they say, yes. you, you, you know, 24 hour increments. And part of that has got to allow for sleep. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's sleep mixed in there. But, you know, during the waking hours, um, you know, everything was an emergency. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out how to, you know, get by financially. I was trying to figure out how to get through peacefully and not be in emer uh, emotional turmoil. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and <clears throat> I didn't really have any um, long term goals and they. Early in recovery, they tell you not to set too many goals because right. you're putting undue pressure on yourself, you know. So, yep. but I mean, I had to have something to look forward to, I, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, everything was an emergency. Yeah. So I had to, um, I had no choice but to, you know, deal with one thing at a time. Yes. And uh, one of the helpful things that I did was I actually made a reasonable to-do list for the day reasonable and I the emphasize word. the word reasonable yes because in in previous years my to-do lists would be you know a page yes. to a page and a half sometimes two pages long mm -hmm. and that just makes for stress because it never yeah. ever gets finished exactly you never check things off when you have that much 
you know, and, and by the way, at this stage in my life now, way, way down the road Mm -hmm. with, uh, uh, 16, almost 17 years into recovery, um, I have maybe three things that are really important Mm -hmm. on my to-do list for the day. Yep. Yep. So it's gone from like 30 things down to three, but we're talking about survival mode still. So in that survival mode, and I would break those down into little tasks, you know, and, 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 and try to keep it reasonable. Yes. Um, and that would help get me through the day. I also used a tool that uh, is, is rather simple, mm-hmm. uh, but not always easy to remember at the time. But uh, we've all heard of the serenity prayer, I'm going to assume. Yes. Well, for me, yes. <laughs> Um, there's probably some listeners who may or may not know what the serenity prayer is. So I'll say it real quick. It's, uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change and courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. So that's the short version. Mm -hmm. And that really is a simple check and balance for a day in survival mode. You know, is there something I can and should be doing about this at the moment? Mm -hmm. Uh, If not, uh, give me the, you know, give me the wisdom to know the difference. But then if there's nothing that I can do about this situation at the moment, you Mm -hmm. know, I had bill collectors calling me, you know, my financial life was a a shambles. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if I can't pay that bill today, I I have to at least be able to make a plan to pay it at some point or or reach out and be in touch with them to, you know, calm the situation. Mm -hmm. Once again, we're talking about survival mode. So, you know, you just kind of make it through the day. But there were days where I said, okay, is anybody coming to get me today? Is there anything that I've done that, you know, that I can do or should be doing? And if I can't do anything today, then am I okay in the moment? Right. And that helped me out a lot because everything seems like an emergency. And if you are like a lot of people in early recovery that come in through a treatment court or some sort of long-term, in, you know, intensive patient program, mm-hmm. they may have a very long to-do list that was made for them by other people. Right. So you got to get through that and not get yourself too stressed out, too, because I've seen people, you know, that can't make it through treatment court because mm. they don't allow themselves to, to calm down and be in the moment. Mm-hmm. They're worried about things that are going to happen at the end of the week and next week and the week after. And what about this month? And how do I get to phase two? And how do I get to phase three? And it just stresses people out and they get themselves so wound up. What do I need to do today? Right. So now once you get through that, the next part is, well, getting to stability. Right. So now you actually, uh, and when I say you, I mean the royal you, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, for anybody in recovery. Right. So you, you get to the point, a person gets to the point where um, they've got a handle on their to-do list. It's not so stressful anymore. It's a reasonable to-do list for each day. Mm-hmm. And maybe some short-term goals have been planned. And we start to get into stability. Yes. So talk to me about when what it felt like when you got into uh, stability. Stability, yeah. Well, and you know, and I just want to say I relate so much to what you were saying about the to-do list. And, and honestly, in early recovery, sometimes even one day at a time felt impossible, mm-hmm. which I yeah. think 
sometimes it was literally one moment at a time. Right. Um, because I, I don't know what it's like to recover from alcohol or the withdrawal of that, but to withdraw from an alcoholic relationship, I was so heavy into the obsessive thinking and I couldn't stop thinking about him and the detachment that was crucial to my mental health. Yeah, there were times I'm like, I can't even think a day at a time at this point. But um, I do think that living one day at a time is a fantastic way to live, whether or not you're in recovery. Um, so I'm a big proponent of that. Yeah, um, imagine if everybody in the U.S. just thought, you know, let me be present in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Because, uh, I mean, yeah, because some of us, we, you know, and for me, I can vacillate between, you know, past regrets and future worries, and that's just no way to live for me. Um, but, yeah, so in um, the, oh, my gosh, the to-do list, mine is much shorter these days as well, because I, it was just an excuse to beat myself up, it turns out. Like, I'd have these unrealistic unrealistic expectations, and then my inner critic would just say, well, look, you big loser, you failed, so... I'm, I'm glad that you and I have both made progress in that and we have realistic to-do lists. Um, so we went from, so the stability for me was getting to that point of um, my baseline being kind of peaceful and then significance as I'm pondering when you were talking, uh, probably four, was it four years in or so, four or five years, um, I finally started to make some significant headway on these life, like major life goals that had been on the shelf for 18 plus years, like no embellishment. They'd been, I was spending so much time, you know, trying to rescue and fix these men that I was dating and the most significant one being in relationship with, with the alcoholic that I just, I didn't have any energy to pour into me and my development. Um, so finally, when I got to a place where I was getting more and more detached from his recovery and his journey and focusing on myself, I was able to sell my house resume college classes had been 21 years in between my college classes um you know doing this podcast is something that's been awesome and um you know i really am grateful to have an outlet to hopefully and sharing my story with others to inspire some hope and for them to connect with that i mean that's huge for me and that this wouldn't be possible if it weren't for my own recovery um so that for me is significance focusing on my development Living my best life, as they say. Um, I just want to back you up a half a step, though, because you yeah. jumped into significance, but going back to stability. Mm -hmm. So staying on that for a moment. Sure, just sure. What, what, what did that feel like, and mm -hmm. how was that transition? So, you you know, at what point in your life do you say, wow, I, I'm stable now? Yeah. Like, things are operating, and I hate to use this word, but mm -hmm. normally. No, yeah. Things what are operating. Yeah, what's normal? Yeah, Somewhere yeah. between here and here, and that could be a mile wide. But yeah. um, things are operating normally, or things are operating the way they should be, or as intended. Stability. Right. So I'm not functioning from a place of... Your butt's not on fire. I'm not treading water anymore. Right, I'm right. not like, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not obsessively thinking about someone who's sobriety I have zero control over. Um, I'm really able to just kind of, you know, and, and physically changing my space, selling my house and moving into this apartment with, you know, where my son and I currently live. It has been, this is the most peaceful and the happiest I've been in my adult life, period. And um, so that, that getting to stability and getting to a place where my home was truly a sanctuary again and not a place of like chaos and drama, I mean, and that did take about two years to get to that place. And I know I'm still going, you know, life is going to keep coming at me. There will be, um, you know, there's going to be loss and, and uncomfortable things are going to happen. But I am far better equipped to deal with those now because I have 
I have that stability and I have a support system through recovery to help get me through the tough times. And I'm not using those old coping mechanisms um, to try to solve probably you know, what my best thinking got me here, as we say, like the the things that got me into this mess are not going to get me out of this mess. The, mm-hmm. the thinking and the, the maladaptive coping mechanisms are not going to solve the problems. Um, so yeah, I mean about two years to get to that, that place where I got comfortable with things feeling peaceful. I hear so many people in recovery because so many of us come from such traumatic backgrounds and from chaos that it's our comfort zone. So to get comfortable with things feeling peaceful was, it was, yeah, it was, it took a bit of a, yeah, getting used to, which might sound weird to some people, but, uh, but I really started to embrace it and like, no, this, I like this new normal. I like not having my nervous system constantly activated and taxed. Well, yeah, in another one of our podcasts, we talked about anxiety a little bit, yes. you know, and survival mode leads to more and more anxiety. You know, you're always wound up. You're always waiting for the next shoe to drop. What's yep. the next thing yep. that you got to deal with? Um, but with stability, you brought up two key words, comfortable and peace, mm-hmm. peace and comfort. Mm-hmm. And stability brings a sense of peace and comfort. Uh, I I know I had that in my own experience. It was... A big deal when I actually was able to sit and just be. Yeah. With without feeling anxious, without feeling to be present in the moment, and and that was a sense of stability. And mm-hmm. the other bits and pieces of recovery, like I talked about, you know, the 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 relationships, the money, the finance, the goal planning, the health, the exercise, all of the. Yeah. All of the things that are involved in recovery that that are separate from just being uh, apart from your drug of choice, right. whatever that drug is, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be relationships, whether whatever you're addicted to, to be able right. to have that release where, okay, now we're surviving and we transfer into peace and comfort, a stability. Mm-hmm. Um, by very definition, I mean unstable. Mm-hmm. stable yeah so something is unstable it might fall over at any moment it might crash at any moment it might blow up at any moment St- you know something that is stable is n- probably not going to do any of those things you know that's that's a big change mm-hmm. now here's where i've seen the problem i've seen people get to that stability phase and they uh, feel a sense of boredom and the excitement and adrenaline rush yeah. is gone and now it's mm-hmm. like okay back to the back to the bad behavior yeah yeah and that's unfortunate um because yep. then you go back from stability into survival mode mhm and that's because you know we're not used to peace mm-hmm. or comfort yeah so um that feeling of peace and comfort is something that takes a while to get used to. I know for me, when I first felt a sense of peace and comfort, it was odd. Yes. It was strange. And it certainly was strange to have that happen more than one day in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we all have our moments. But I don't know about you, but I, uh, I, I, I mean, two days in a row, three days in a row, having an entire weekend of peace and comfort. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to make a shift to the significance part. And what what I define in the in the recovery chain from survival to stability to significance, the significance piece I define as and this is just my definition is where you become significant 
to other people. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is you've gained enough experience from survival to stability uh-huh. to where you become significant in other people's lives and you're able to help them. Right. So that's where I look at the significance. Now, of course, you know, the selfish and self-centered part says, well, you know, I've got nice things now. I have my bills paid. You know, I don't have to worry about the bills being paid next month. They're, they're paid for. Um, I'm driving a decent car again. You know, I have relationships with people who really care about me. But the important part that makes me significant, and I don't mean that in a puffed up, uh, cocky sense, mm-hmm. I mean that makes me significant is that I'm able to help other people. And I'm able to bring them through from survival to stability and help them be significant so they can go help the next person. I mean, after all, isn't that the whole purpose of recovery? Give it away to keep it right. Well, and by becoming that dependable person to others, right? Through Mm -hmm. your own journey of becoming stable. And then you can be somebody that uh, that's one of the greatest gifts is service and to help someone else along in a healthy way, right? Not in a way of trying to rescue, but somebody who's looking to get sober or to have a new way of life and to support that journey for them is tremendous. So I, I, uh, I look at being significant where I've, I've been able to help other people and, um, it's been an important part of growth Mm -hmm. because when you get to do that and you don't have to do it, but when you get to do it, um, when it becomes a gift to be able to give to somebody else, Mm -hmm. um, the peace, the serenity and the stability just continue. And you still have a little bit of excitement because (laughs) you're dealing with somebody else who's in survival mode instead of you being in survival mode. So you have a little vicarious excitement. uh, Sure. You know, you get that call at 10 o'clock at night when somebody else's butt is on fire. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're able to help them and talk them through it. And that, um, I'll tell you, that's been some of the greatest gifts I've gotten in in recovery. Uh, I have the gift of gab. I'm able to speak in public. You know, that was was a gift I had when I didn't know anything about life or what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you give me a microphone, I was uh, great in front of people. Um, but now the difference is I actually have a message to carry and that, that, that's where I get to use my gift. And the reason I bring that up is because when I've done, uh, talks both within the recovery community and also in public, Mm -hmm. uh, sharing with public audiences, um, I've had the privilege of sharing and I feel a sense of satisfaction that comes over me, like overwhelming sense of satisfaction that I've actually done something that impacted Mm-hmm. someone else's life yeah um yeah tell me a, a little bit about your experience with uh with helping others and being significant in other people's lives Jillian. just curious sure well i mean and i have so in the context of recovery i've had the opportunity to work with some other women going through the same thing and it is so nice to be able to shift that from yourself i mean well you know it's we want to focus on ourselves because we are powerless over other people's addictions or, you know, whatever they're struggling with. But to get from that point of um, being so focused on our own survival to supporting somebody else, it really is a gift because you can see like, wow, I remember being here. I remember being in this place and to just, you know, provide that encouragement that, you know, that they will get through this too. Um, So I, yeah, I've had the opportunity to work with a handful of women 
and their journeys. Um, and just remember, I mean, it's very humbling to be like, yeah, I was there. I remember this. Like it wasn't all that long ago that I was where you're at. And I have this, this experience where sometimes when I'm sharing with them, because I, you know, for me, I try really, really hard not to give advice, right. Just to share my experience. Um, and I'm like, where did that come from? Because I don't think it's it, so that for me is my <laughs> that's my higher power talking through me. I was like, damn, that was really good. Right, I don't. Right. It's like I opened my mouth and somebody else, you know, came out. And I was like, well, I I really don't even know. And it's so cute because this woman I'm working with currently, she she just thinks I'm like so wise. And why? Well, I, I mean, well, I would like to think that. I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> just honestly, I'm just a a vessel, like I'm just, I, I'm a conduit for a higher power that wants to, to help you in your journey. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've done separate from re- recovery stuff. I have done volunteering in the past, which is very meaningful, but, um, really that one-on-one work with another woman who's going through the same struggles that I've been through and seeing her blossom, like this woman I'm working with right now, she's just phenomenal. She's just, yeah, I'm so inspired by her. So it's funny, like, I mean, it's just this very symbiotic relationship. We're both supporting each other's recovery and growth. Um, and it's a really beautiful experience. Helping somebody to um, change their definition of what is normal. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was normal to go to happy hour every day after work. Right. And I found out that most normal people don't do that. <laughs> you know, so I had to shift my mindset on what is normal in order to make these changes from, you know, survival to stability to significance. You know, the helping uh, me making that shift, changing what's normal and then helping to change other people's mindsets, you know, about who they're hanging out with, what they find attractive, what right. what gets them excited, what what are they interested in. Those interests change, mm-hmm. and, and bringing somebody through the process, and it is a process. So anybody out there that might be struggling, anybody listening to this podcast that says, boy, I, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to significance, mm-hmm. and I, I promise you from the bottom of my heart, you can. Yes. You can do it. You mm-hmm. can do it. There's been many people who've done it. I know people that have been in the depths of, you know, before they're even in survival mode. I mean, they're 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 on their last leg mode. Right. And I've watched them come back. Um, I've done it. I've seen other people do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful thing, and I, we're here to tell you that it is possible. Yes. To go from survival to stability to significance in life. Um, so. Uh, hope that helps somebody out there, uh, somebody who needed a little bit of encouragement today. Maybe mm-hmm. you're feeling down. Maybe you feel like you've been in survival mode for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time to make a shift. Mm-hmm. It's time to uh, get some reasonable expectations of yourself and the world around you, you know, not yeah. overwhelming yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say get the help you need, uh, not just in a a program of recovery that separates you from a substance or a person, but also if you need therapy, get therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been to therapy? Oh. I've been to therapy. I have. For roughly multiple three decades times. or so. <laughs> yeah, multiple times. Get therapy. If yep. you need it, get it. Um, if you need a doctor, get it. Yes. If you need a specialist, I mean, I still have sleep issues 
16, almost 17 years sober, I still have sleep issues. I have a minimal amount of any, you know, current trauma in my life, but I still have some PSD from past trauma. Yeah. You know, sleep sleep has always been a problem for me. So, you know, go to the doctor if you need to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, get the help, that 360-degree view, you know, get all the help you can possibly get and need, mm-hmm. and you'll, you'll be able to go from survival to stability. And then once you got that experience, yeah. it's a gift to be able to share. It's a gift you can wrap up and deliver to someone else. Agreed. So, well, th- thanks for sharing this uh, uh, topic with me, uh, Jillian. I appreciate thank you. that. Yeah, thanks uh, for the suggestion. Th- thank you to our audience for listening in time and time again. You know, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, please subscribe. Um, the Recovery Rebirth podcast. Um, we're going to be bringing you topics uh, related to addiction prevention and recovery, uh, all different topics. Uh, we, we spin the wheel and, and decide what's up next. So we want to keep it interesting for everybody. And if you have a topic suggestion, hey, drop it in the comments, send us an email. Please let us know. Well, I guess that wraps it up for today. Um, Thank you, Jillian. You have a, a great afternoon. You too, and thanks, listeners. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.